Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental get squared away physical the podcast that'll help you get squared away here we go we're back what's up we're back man we finally got some sun in alaska here oh my god and it's so crazy because it's like hey it's it's like this bitch of a tease right it's like look outside it's 55 degrees and it's sunny and then you walk outside and you're like yeah but satan is blowing it 75 miles an hour across the front (laughs) of my fucking yard that was yesterday i don't think it's doing it today that bad is it? oh yeah it's pretty windy today too oh really not as bad as yesterday but yeah oh i think my son and i picked up about uh 20 bags of dog shit yesterday so yeah we we did it three times already this spring and it's like now it'd be the final time after all the snow melted but what's your go-to way of picking up dog poop well, the first wave, so like you guys have the third, the three waves, the first wave is I wait for it to be just frozen and just about to melt the next day, just so that it, everything that's stuck over the wintertime, I can get a metal rake on it, just peel it all off, put it in a pile, I put a uh, garbage bag in a five-gallon bucket, and just take a shovel, dump her in there, and boom, that takes care of the first, but 
when it's this warm out and all the rain we've had and then now you got to bend over and bag that crap so we're we're rubber glovers right so you put a garbage bag inside a five gallon pail so you can carry it around with one hand and then you put a rubber glove on the other hand and you just manhandle that shit just pick it up with the rubber glove it's so much easier (laughs) like you know you see all those like dog poop tools right and you're like the the little shovel with the little rake and people are like never "Eh, works no never it's all all those tools are trash just throw a rubber glove on and just manhandle the shit well the way we're doing is probably not too green so we just we have a big thing of uh you know shopping bags yeah and i just basically put a hand in it grab it reverse it out tie yeah. it up and yeah, toss same it. I, same idea we're just we're just being a little bit more green with our one rubber glove and Ooh. one garbage bag instead of <laughs> but realistically how many people recycle those stupid grocery bags anyways right nobody does because you got to go to like a special place you can't just throw them in your recycling bin yeah you know people that listen to this are like my state's different i don't but yes, I know hyvee for all the like iowans out there ah uh, yes hyvee has it when you walk in they allow you to sort all your stuff out down south, you have to like pay for recycling in some places. Oh, really? It's crazy. Like my brother-in-law is, I think they're in Georgia or maybe it's when when they were in Texas. I don't know. It's crazy. You had to pay to re- for to recycle. Wow. Seems like a few too many steps to get people to actually do anything, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. But then you go to Michigan and you're getting paid for your recyclables. I don't know. Hey, all I know is the more crap that we landfill, the more ski hills you're gonna get. Yeah, the stinky shit ski hills. You drive by the landfill on those days when that when they're off gassing, and you're like, "Oh man, well, this is rough." You got most of Illinois is flat. Just ship it all down there, dude. Start- Illinois could just be a landfill. Like I was thinking about that <laughs> when we. Me. I was thinking about that when we drove. And anybody that's listening to this, you're from Illinois. Sorry, Did, sorry, not sorry. Pull into that state, and you're like, "Oh wait, gas instantly goes up a dollar." Well, they're coming over here for gas. Right? So you pull into the state and you got to drive all the way through the state because I'm driving to Florida, okay? And I'm like, and Illinois is like Texas. You're just driving and driving and driving. You're like, is this shit over yet? And all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> oh, wait, we're halfway there. It's a, it's an 18-hour drive. We've been driving for nine hours. We just got out of Illinois. Yeah. And it's the most boring, flat, like awful drive, p- part of the drive ever. Yeah. Good you Lord. See? Screw the recycling and then start creating the mountain ranges of Illinois. The mountain ranges of Illinois. Hey, we could do it. Yeah. My uh, my cousin, actually, speaking of mountain ranges of Illinois, and while we're speaking of Illinois, let's talk about dirty politicians because, well, that's sort of an Illinois thing. Yeah. Um, Chicago, the mayor in like the 60s or 70s was taking payouts from dry cleaners to put all that nasty chemicals down, like just dump it right down the sewer system. Oh, really? Yeah. And so this all comes out. Well, like some crazy number, like 50 or 60% of the people that lived in some of these neighborhoods came down with like these weird, rare kinds of cancer. My cousin ended up dying from it. Really? Yeah. Is so like some litigation or Oh, yeah. Oh, like no. That? There's a huge payout. And this is like all the whoever did it ended up suing the, the city. And so like she got a payout when she was younger because she had cancer when she was like eight. Wow. And so she got a payout then, but then she ended up dying from the same amount of cancer. So then the family got another bump of cash. I don't know what it was. I'm sure it's never enough to lose your mom, right? Because yeah. she's a little kids and it's super sad. But yeah, like shitty, dirty politicians taking payoffs for dry cleaning. Ooh. Which kind of rolls me into dry cleaning. I haven't used a dry cleaner, but I got some expensive dress clothes. I'm like, you know what? If I keep washing this crap. Yeah, you know, it's going to be hosing like a hundred bucks at a time. Yeah. 
And I see the dry cleaners are pretty cheap. Yeah. But I don't know what the process is. I have no idea. But so I just. You're saying it's a chemical based. Then, right? We're talking like 60s, oh, okay. 70s. And who knows where it's come now. And there's a chance that it's probably still exactly the same. But they just hopefully deal with the chemicals better. But I don't oh. I don't know how any of that shit works. I used to get my. When I used to have to wear shirts and ties for works, I'd get them laundered just because I didn't like ironing and starching. Right. So I would just get them yeah. laundered. And then they'd come laundered. back in the bag. Yeah, just, they just oh. come back in the bag all all perfectly starched and hard collars. I'm good to go. Thank God okay. I don't do that shit anymore. But so by laundered, are they laundered is different? Yeah, that's different. Laundered cleaning. is just normal washing. Dry cleaning is different. I think. Oh. Look at us talking about shit. We have no idea what we're talking about. This kind of this kind of how we do it though. We wing it, and you ask yeah. a question, and I pretend to know the answer, and this is the story <laughs> of my life. So, and I feel bad because I'm Asian. I should know about dry cleaning. You definitely should. Dry cleaning, uh, happy nails or whatever that is. Oh, nails, man. They're so good at nails. And I don't know why. I think that's south. Uh, that's the Vietnamese Laotian. Is it? Okay. Yeah. The Mongs. And yeah. They're better at that. Chinese, I think we're good at ripping off stuff and making plastic replica dog shit and stuff. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, taking all of the R&D out of people's computers that come to the country and then <laughs> making exactly. exact replicas. Copies. Yeah. That's all that's they what, do. I thought that was funny when Chevy came out with the Volt, right? Remember when Chevy came out with the Volt? What was that, like 2011 or something? And they were like, yeah, we're going to have it. I think it was a while ago. Holy crap. Chevy came out with the Volt. And I remember this big news article. And it might it might have even been a news story that was on a bunch of news channels. And it was like, Chevy going to have the Volt manufactured in China. I'm like, oh, right. There it goes. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if you're having that made in China, all of a sudden they're, you know, the third shift of that assembly line is making their own electric cars with a different <laughs> brand on it. Yeah. Under your, all of your same R&D. Yeah. Like, duh. That, that's everything on Amazon, basically. Oh, yeah. If you don't understand, like, so a lot of people have never had to source anything, right? So they don't really get why when they go on Amazon, there's like certain, certain brand tank top and then another brand tank top that's almost the same price, just with a different brand, but it's the same fucking shirt, right? Yeah. And then another brand that looks the same and another brand that looks the same. Oh, you got to be because, careful with some of that. Yeah. Well, all you, if you ever like are really curious, just go to Alibaba. Go to Alibaba.com and just if you're looking for tank tops, just type in, you know, men's tank top and you'll see the one exact tank top that you're looking at on Amazon. And they're, you know, four dollars. And you have if you order 10,000 of them, you have your brand put on them and then you sell them on Amazon. And that's what all of these companies are. It's called Amazon fulfillment. You know, oh. it's you're just yeah. basically ordering large bulk amounts of stuff under your own quote unquote brand. And you got to watch out for some of the fake stuff. Oh, Amazon's got like, a, yeah, also no, like f- real fake knockoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a problem with Echo shoes. You ever had dr- Echo dress shoes? No. So Echo dress shoes, ECCO, not ECKO. ECKO is like the Mark Echo, like the, yeah, yeah no, ECCO. They're by far the most comfortable dress shoes I've ever worn in my life. So when I used to have to wear dress shoes for work, it was like legit work. You know, we're like throwing cases and stuff, but you, you had to, you had to wear dress clothes. And so these shoes would last like a year plus. And they were the most comfortable shoes. Echo Helsinki. If you guys ever, they're a slip on. They're amazing. Anyways, huge knockoff problem because they're, you know, they're 200 bucks. Yeah. So if Amazon, you know, some asshole can make them in China for, you know, $45 and sell them for 75 instead of 190. Yeah. No, I've seen that because I think I looked at diesel jeans. Okay. And for some reason on a search, they came up in Amazon. And then I was like, something just doesn't seem right because there's just like a third of the price. And also I'm looking at the reviews and a lot of these reviews are just like, yeah, these are fake. 
So I think they just changed something. I don't know. Remember when they're doing all these uh, vinyl stickers? Yeah. Vinyl decals. Yeah. People were like doing Oakley decals yep. and all that. And they would just change a little bit of the logo. And it gave them the right basically to, uh, to sell it then. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what they're doing with products now. Interesting. So they're actually, are they actually changing it a little bit or are they just completely knocking it off? I think they're just taking the, either diesel patches or, you know, making their own kind of and changing the logo and then yeah. slapping it on. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. It, it, you're basically, even if the you could have the product that's exactly the same and you're just, you're piggybacking on their marketing spend, you yeah. know, because they're a big portion of that of that dollar amount that, that these shitty brand, you know, these high end brands make a big portion of that is marketing to keep themselves relevant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that I sold knockoff purses through college to pay for my fucking schooling, but I definitely, Oh yeah, dude. Oh really? Oh yeah. Are you the coach purse dude? Yep. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. Coach Louis Vuitton, Kate Spade. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, uh, you get that stuff. My same cousin that passed away actually. She was from she was from Chicago, yeah. and so she had a she had a Vietnamese hookup who she would order you know thousands of dollars in knockoff shit, and then I would drive down to Chicago and pick up boxes of it from her for let's say you know twenty five bucks a purse or thirty bucks a purse, and then I'd sell them up here for a hundred a purse because their retail was four hundred a purse. Wow. Yeah, dude, I sold purses, wallets, watches, sunglasses. Oh man, I always thought I, I I've only seen that. Like in the Caribbean. Yeah. You know, so if you're on an island, you go through one of these markets, they got all the knockoff stuff for like, well, technically you could tell them what you wanted to pay for it. Yeah. And, you know, because they'll say, oh, I remember one time I'm walking through a market and they're like, Rambo. Hey, Rambo. <laughs> Rambo. And I was like, what? <laughs> and this guy's like, hey, Rambo, you want to buy, a, you know, this coach purse or whatever? I'm like, what do I need that for? Yeah. He's like, well, I give you two for two for 30. I was like, oh, how about two for 20? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll take two for 20 if you got cash. And I'm like, uh, well, I don't, like, I don't even want it. it. So, <laughs> I was just messing around with you. Because I think we were just uh, there for a stop. But, yeah, that's the last I remember. And I think I was in D.C. Uh, working. And some dude comes up with a Tag Heuer. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like we're on the street. And he comes up and he's got this these watches in his inside of his uh, suit coat. Just jacket. like in the movies, just right? Just like in the movies. Yeah. And I just remember that because it's like, oh man, I don't, I never thought this was real. Yep. And at first he pulls them out, and I, I wasn't even thinking. I thought, wow, this guy must really have real ones. All of a sudden, I pick it up. It was like felt like a bucket of tin, but it had the Tag Heuer logo, and I looked close at it. And I don't know if you know Tag watches. No. Oh, so it's Tag Tag Heuer is pretty. Yep. No, I've heard of them. I just don't know anything about them. Yeah, I stepped down from Rolex, but you know. But I could see that whatever was in there, the knockoff, the logo was like slightly tilted. So I'm like, and these fine watches are not going to do that. Yeah, I sold some Breitlings. Breitlings, I don't know Breitlings. Breitlings, uh, aviation watch. They're like a hundred grand. Oh really? Yeah, I sold some few few knockoff Bra- Well, so here's the thing: not so much with the watches because there is a lot of technical stuff inside the watches, but like with the purses, like you don't think Coach is going to these same Z- Vietnamese factories to get these things made? These guys, they're probably the same exact factory and you just got to, you know, you got some very industrious individuals that are maybe staying after hours and using all the same fucking equipment and making an extra 50 and then they're selling them themselves. Waste um, waste material or do you think these are the rejects? Hey, who knows? That's, you know, you that's the weird know. thing. Like, yeah, the quality up. was fine. Like, they didn't fall really? apart. They had, they had the, you know, they had like the, 
what a fucking how are we on this even by the way um they had like the bags like the packaging bags the soft packaging bags with them they had the registration cards with them like are you serious yeah oh yeah wow so they would ask are they real i'd be like i i can't tell can you tell that was that was always my thing because i couldn't i didn't know the fucking difference all i know is i was getting it for 25 bucks and selling it for a hundred jeez you gotta pay for your own college you gotta pay for it somehow We'll call oh. it, it. We'll call it market research because it was a business and marketing degree. <laughs> so I was doing market research. Oh, so when I was used to heisting cars, yeah, I was telling people, oh, yeah, that's. I was just doing acquisitions. Exactly. I was helping with insurance transactions, helping people upgrade. Yeah. Into something better. Yeah. See, as long as I got insurance, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized the impact on insurance years later. Oh well, yeah, but like your little impact on insurance is not going to be that much. I know. I didn't affect the world like I thought. <laughs> and you know, let's just keep rolling on the next thing. I, I switched my uh, all my insurance back to my home and auto this week. Oh, I went from uh, AmFam to State Farm. Yeah, you saved a lot of money, didn't you? Holy cow! Yep. Wow, are you State Farm? Yeah. Oh, really? I'm State Farm. Um, I just keep thinking, and I could have saved another. Like five to seven percent going to like Geico, um, or Allstate or one of those. But the State Farm, I have a real rep. Like I have a rep that I can call if mm-hmm. I have a problem. So that to me was worth the extra few percent. Like, all right, I'll go with State Farm. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, the AmFam uh, have a rep, but man, I've been you know I hear from some people that they've had just nightmares on claims for uh, AmFam. I had a lady that was an AmFam rep rear end me and total my car once. That was pretty good. They, they treated me really well because she was oh. the actual AmFam rep, and she really, yeah, she smashed my car. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just heard, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, problems with them, and then all of a sudden I switched over, and they were just giving me. I mean, I basically got much better policies and yeah. added an umbrella policy. Yeah. So it doesn't mean anybody can just go sue me now, but yeah, added all that for about a thousand less a year. Yeah, I was just like, whoa. Oh, that's good. Should we should we get to the actual podcast topic I think of so. the day? I mean, I mean, I, let's see. We covered we're, a lot here. Yeah, we're already fifteen minutes in. I they mean, should, we probably should get to the. Uh, yeah, we we taught people how to pick up dog shit. Um, you know what I am counterfeit products. You know what I am. I'm grateful for all of those experiences in my life that have taught Selling me about counterfeit products and taught me how to pick <laughs> up dog shit. Um, today's podcast gratitude yes we've talked about this many times and we we're like we're going to do a podcast on that we're going to do a podcast on that but it's sort of a, i even have in my notes like sorry this is kind of a mess because it's like this big broad topic that is gratitude and trying to like shoehorn it into like one idea to make it a podcast was it was a little tough for me yeah. but um i want to start out with this the story of two men and the story two men comes from the book, the gratitude switch or flip the gratitude, something like that. Flip the gratitude switch, I think is the name of it. And, and this was, this was kind of the, the basis of this book and it's two men. And we'll, we'll say, we'll say guy A and, and guy B. Okay. Yeah. And guy A gets up in the morning and he stretches out, he rolls over in his comfy bed, he's grateful to have a bed to sleep in. He looks at his wife who's next to him. He quietly gets out of bed because he knows that she's going to have a long day taking care of the kids and he wants her to get some extra sleep. He gets up, 
he goes and he does some push-ups and some sit-ups because he appreciates like what his body can do for him. So he's trying to keep his body healthy. He gets in a shower and he's really, he's grateful to have some hot water, right? Like he's not having to take a cold shower. Yeah. He goes out in the dining room and he sits down for some breakfast and he's quietly trying to eat because he doesn't want to wake anybody up and his kids get up and he's grateful for the opportunity to spend a half an hour with his kids before they go to school and before he goes to work. So he gets some breakfast and everybody's sitting around the table, right? So that's guy A. Guy B gets up, looks at the alarm clock and he's upset, right? I need some more sleep. And he looks over his wife and he thinks, Oh, yeah, you're going to stay home and watch the kids all day. Why don't you get up and do something? Right. And he finally snoozes the alarm three times and he gets up. and He's like, shit, I'm late. So he jumps in the shower, takes a quick shower, runs out and he's eating, feeding his feeding his face quick. And he's like, shit, I hope nobody else gets up because he doesn't want to have to feed the kids breakfast. Right. And so, like, it goes through this this story of two men and he breaks it down. to It's a whole day. And he does this this guy A and guy B. Right. And he and he and he busts out this whole day and the difference in going to a shitty job versus a job that you appreciate and and coming home and having dinner on the table versus coming home and, you know, being mad that your wife didn't do anything for the day. And, and it's just and at the end, he's like, the thing is, is both of these men were me. They were both me. They were me before I discovered gratitude and after I discovered gratitude. And it, and it, and it was yeah. it was eye opening to hear that story of two men, because I know that I've been on both sides of that. I've been the guy that's grateful and I've been the guy that's not grateful. And the idea of gratitude as a noun, right? Like gratitude, we think of gratefulness and gratitude as a noun, right? It, it's a thing, it's something we feel. But what the, what this book and a lot of the gratitude research and the gratefulness research that I've gotten into is like. Gratitude is not necessarily a noun as the way that it's going to most affect our life. Gratitude is a verb. It's something we do, right? Yeah. We feel grateful, but we don't just feel grateful like, right? So if you and I are in a shitty situation today and I can think, oh, I'm grateful that I have a house to sleep in tonight. And that's good. That's a positive thing. But but where the real benefit comes in, and this is the this is the part that I have messed up on with trying to use gratefulness to help some friends who are in dark places, is the real benefit of gratitude comes from finding the silver lining in the shit. Yeah. Finding the great being grateful for the negative things in your life. Yeah. And I, th- I would agree because I think uh, when I look at gratitude, basically it really means uh, having a great attitude. Ah, I like there's, that. Uh, um, and so I, what's funny is uh, there's a saying that I've always uh, kept in the back of my mind. And that Steen, that underscore Steen is okay. his handle. Okay. Um, just posted that today. And it's the, the happiest people don't have the best of everything. They just make the best out of everything. Yeah. And when you make the best out of everything, you have a great attitude no matter what happens. Yeah. Even if it's a shitty day or, you know, we haven't had sunshine for three weeks. But you still, you know, a lot of that, a lot of ex-military dudes, when you ask them how they're doing and, the, you know, the guys that are grateful, the first thing they tell you is what? Doing great. Doing great. It's uh, I'm six feet above ground is what they'll say. Yep. So you start there. You wake up in the morning. Hey, guess what? You're not in a hospital bed and they're not flatlining you. So... 
you know, that's, that's where you start and you just keep going from there. Yeah. And this is, this is a, this is an attitude, right? Great attitude. It's, it's a mindful, you have to be mindful of this, which means you have to build, which is, this goes back to everything else that we've talked about with the mindfulness meditation and the, the being able to find that millisecond between stimulus and reaction. And if you, if you can find that millisecond between stimulus and reaction, okay, guy cuts you off, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're on the, the interstate and you're both trying to get to work and dude goes by you way too fast and clips in way too early. Okay. So that's that stimulus. If you are not able to find that millisecond between stimulus and reaction, you instantly are fucking pissed, right? Yeah. Now where gratefulness would come in, and this is the situation we're talking about, is at that millisecond between stimulus and reaction is where you input gratefulness. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful he didn't hit me. Yeah. Like that could have been way worse, right? Like he could have smashed me. We could have both been here on the side of the road, one of us in an ambulance, yeah. right? I hope he gets to work safe. Man, I'm glad I'm going to get to work safe. I hate that example. Why? Because I run into it every day. I have to like mull for 10 minutes about how if I caught up to this guy. This guy. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> but, Take uh, a break. Find that, find that millisecond. After 10 minutes, I'm, I'm grateful that I, the guy and I didn't have to. It know. shouldn't take 10 minutes. Come on. <laughs> All You're right. a grown man. 10 seconds. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll roll that's it better. down. I'll roll that's it back better. a little bit. But it's in there's so many situations, right? Like, there's so many situations in our every day that are like that, right? You get up. I don't like, I don't like what I do for a living, right? So I, I roll over, I hit the alarm. I look at the alarm and I'm instantly either upset that I have to get up and go to work or I can find that, that moment of gratefulness, man, I don't like what I'm going to do today, but I'm grateful that I'm able to feed my family and pay for my mortgage. Yeah. doesn't mean that you have to and this is that this is that balance of of being grateful for what you have but still improving. It doesn't mean that you're not going to work on whatever your next goal is, whether it's building your resume so you can get out of that job or whether it is you know putting in the effort to improve your situation or make the context to become the next step in that job. Whatever whatever that next goal is, you're still working towards that, but you're grateful for the opportunity that you have today. Yeah. And that's the part that a lot of people miss. Yeah. I, I think that's where a lot of people get confused because there's a lot of people that pursue things, but they're only pursuing things because they're empty. Right. But having the attitude of gratefulness means that, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm at a point where I'm grateful. I could survive like this. Right. But I want to keep challenging myself getting squared away and making myself, you know, better than what I am. Keep improving on what I have because gratefulness, uh, you know, creates that foundation where if you're not grateful and you're just pursuing things, you're just finding stuff to fill. Right. And you're going to find something you're going to buy. You're going to buy a Lamborghini and guess what? Three days, three weeks later, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that was good for a while. Well, what's the next thing? You know, I need to go buy a third house and, the Caribbean, boom, three weeks later, three months later, you're going to have the same feeling. You're always going to be constantly empty and just looking for these things to fill 
what's you know what you're missing and if you're grateful it just lays a foundation guess what if you don't have something it's fine it doesn't bother you but you know what you know you can better yourself not for the fact that you need a material item but better yourself for your mind for your spirit for your, your physicality um you know and that's part of having that great attitude and that's that goes back to the what is it the Jim Carrey quote I I hope everyone gets every bit of success they've ever wanted in life and is able to buy everything they've ever wanted and achieve every goal they've ever had so that they can realize that it's not fulfilling yeah like that's he he you know and he and he's been there and so many people that are there that have yeah. that have achieved that level of success will look at you and be like yeah it's that's not what fulfills me yeah. I thought it was. I really thought it was. I thought that that car, that house, you know, that level of stardom, whatever, was going to fulfill me. Yeah. But it's not. And you heard uh, the book Proverbs, right? I think we've talked about it. Yeah. So in the Bible, there's a whole book of Proverbs, which is what a lot of these sayings and memes, you know, tend to stem from. There's There's a ton of them. And it's written by uh, King Solomon, who also wrote the book Song of Solomon. And the whole story about this king is he was younger and he was the son of David and becomes king. Mm-hmm. And then God appears to him at night and says, you know what? <clears throat> because you've been faithful, I'm going to give you one thing, anything that you want. So what he asks is he asks for wisdom. So therefore he was granted that. So he became the wisest man on the planet. And from that is how the Jewish Jerusalem, the temple was built. Every detail is laid out in the Old Testament of how that temple was built based on this wisdom that he acquired, you know, from praying for it. And then, uh, but the whole uh, gist of Solomon, if you read about him, is he literally tries everything. So, you know, he talks about everything under his son. The book's called Ecclesiastes. Not, yep. So he wrote Proverbs, wrote Ecclesiastes is based on this whole experience. That he tries everything. He had multiple wives. He's, he had all the riches that he wanted. Every possible thing he said he, he didn't, you know, restrain himself from. And he tried it, but yet at the end of the day, he was still empty. So, you know, that's just uh, kind of reinforces that. You know, you're, you're never going to find your your happiness until you're, you know, grateful for what you have. Well, and and... You say that that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. I challenge that as to say all of this stuff, including that, stems from the human condition. Oh, I'm talking about the Proverbs. No, I know. I know. But I'm Not saying Ecclesiastes. that. Ecclesiastes. I'm talking no, about like the okay, yeah, but the pro- yeah, but what I, yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that so like if you or I ex- have the same experience and come up with the same final idea, right? Like you or I experience multiple wives separately. We don't know each other. And we figure out that that's not any better or any different, right? And we're still hollow. Neither of us learn from each other. We both learn from the experience. Yeah. So it is the human condition that we are experiencing. And that's why all this stuff repeats itself over and over and over. Because a lot of this stuff is all us battling our own evolution. Yeah. You know, it's it's battling the things that for 100,000 years would have benefited our race, as a, yeah. you know, as a human race, because um, it would have made it so that so many more were able to survive. But now we're at the point, you know, same with gluttony, right? Gluttony with food. Yeah. 
we crave densely caloric food because for 150,000 years, you were not able to get enough food. You were always in a, basically a state of starvation. And if you at one point in time got enough food to where your body would, if, if nobody understands this, um, a lot of women will understand it. But if you are, if you're a woman and you are in a, such a caloric deficit because you're trying to lose weight or because you're anorexic or whatever, like your period stops because your body does not have enough calories to reproduce. So your period just shuts off. Oh, and so it's, it's the same. It's that idea is we were living through this basically caloric deficit always to a point that when you're able to get densely caloric food, you were like, you, you piled in as much as you could. And that's why our body stores fat is because that's our way of storing energy from one, one time of getting enough food to days or weeks later to another time of getting enough food. Well, now we live in a society where densely caloric food is the average. It's the norm. You can get it on every street corner, Yeah, but we still crave it. And that's what a lot of these things are that that's our, that's our craving for materialism. That's our craving for, you know, multiple sex partners. That's our craving for food. It's our craving for success. All these things would have been extremely beneficial in a time of scarcity. And now we're at a point where we can have them. And so many people that get them realize that that they don't give you the feeling of fulfillment that you think that you're going to have. A lot of people don't find that out till later. That's the that's that is the human condition. That yeah. is the look back. That is the battle. That is the realization yeah. of, oh, fuck. I mean, that is the reason that movies are movies. Yeah, because it's the telling of stories. Yeah. To try to get these ideas across to people. But everybody, everybody hits it. Every single human being hits it. Yep. I mean, if in a different way, right? Right. I mean, I didn't realize a lot of gratefulness until probably I would hate to say almost in my forties. Yeah. You know, otherwise before, you know, you're in this battle of chasing for things or trying yep. to figure out who you are and you know, what is important to you. I would say, I would say mid thirties, I started to learn about it. Um, and I built the underpinnings. I built the, the the structure to understand it, but I never really understood it until the last few years. Yeah, where it was like the realization. The big realization was when I figured out that I could that I could ride that line of being grateful for everything that I have, and still working to be better tomorrow than I am today. That was always my battle is like, yeah. is, is, well, if I'm grateful for everything I have, how am I going to improve? Do I even need to improve or am I good right here? And that was this internal mind fuck that I always kind of had until that one yeah. day when it was like, oh, you can have both of these things. And gratefulness is like, <laughs> for the lack of a better example, because we bring everything back to exercise here, gratefulness <laughs> Gratefulness is, is like exercise, mm -hmm. right? If you get up in the morning and you go for a two mile walk, that's good, right? If you got up in the morning and you did some wind sprints and some body weight exercises, and then you stretched and then you meditated, that's even better, right? That's even better. So that's where gratefulness is at. Like 
the simplicity of gratefulness at its at its most simple point, just waking up in the morning and, and having a gratefulness practice, right? Whether it be a gratefulness journal or like a friend that you text or your spouse, you look at them and just tell them something that you're grateful to, grateful for. Yeah. That's like at its at its core, that's like the simplest version of gratefulness. And that's what we see a lot um, when we kind of reverse engineer really successful people is there's a there's a handful of things that they all pretty much do. And some sort of gratefulness practice, a gratefulness journal, right? Like type in gratefulness journal on Amazon. There's 50,000 of them, you know, like yeah. it's some something like that at its core is an introductory level of gratefulness. But being able to do what what you and I are talking about, about that great being grateful for the silver lining and shitty situations. That's like. That's the full workout with the stretching and the yoga and the meditation. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the big improvement. Yeah, it's good, better, best. Good, better, best. Exactly. And best, I would argue that there is no best. It always could get better. Yeah. You know? Well, I look at the best as like a, like a Goggins. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, <clears throat> he's not just walking two miles and he's just not, you know, doing a few stretches and wind sprints. This guy is just, you know, that's at a whole nother level. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I know everybody likes David Goggins and say that is not a healthy limb that he's out on. <laughs> it's not. Why would you it's say that? It's really not. Why would I say Why that? Why would you say that? Oh, because there is a certain level where you are literally just trying to prove your toughness to yourself and you're overdoing things that are going to negatively affect your longevity, negatively affect your life, negatively affect your relationships to the point that it's almost like needing to buy another Lamborghini to to, to build your ego. It's just the physical version of that. You think so? Yeah, I do. Just to, to a certain level. And, I, and I, I love David Goggins. He's motivational as fuck. Yeah. I love the guy. But I also think that there's a certain amount of darkness in there that is not healthy. Yeah. And I think that that and I think that that needing that needing to press that needing to press that ego, that needing to that that needing to push himself to a point And that mental strength probably held him back in his career, especially in the teams, because I think that there was a certain amount of people that probably looked at him like, yeah, he may make it through the most grueling situation ever but he's going to get people killed hmm. because it was not a team player. I had a guy bring yeah. it up to me, a, a very high up, very high up I, army guy who I can't say who he is. He said, do you have any idea why somebody in the SEAL teams would send one of their guys to Ranger training to make him a fucking team player? Because he's hmm. not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've heard some of the complaints and and I don't think and yeah. right like this is not a fucking knock on Goggins. I'm just I am a realist and I am not going to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anybody because he's he's a fucking awesome individual and his mental strength is second to absolutely no one I've ever met. I just think that there's a certain there's a certain like everything that I fucking talk about, there's a certain level of balance. And when you get on the wrong side of that balance, it's no longer beneficial. It's detrimental. Yeah. No, balance would probably, yeah, that'd be an area that I would say 
as an opinion in his life would be, you know, beneficial. But he even he even talks about it towards the end of the book where he was having so many physical and mental ailments because of his lifestyle that he needed to learn to the balance. He needed to learn the stretching and the recovery and all of that stuff. Like he even talks about us. This, this I'm not bringing anything to light or, or accusing right. anything. <clears throat> I'm talking beyond that. I'm talking about emotional and how, you know, what kind of relationships he has beyond the quote motivational mountain that he's on right now. So, I mean, he, he's a great example for a lot of people. Yeah. But how are those close circle relationships? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. So, hard to tell. And he doesn't give a fuck. Ask him. Right. You don't fucking know me. Get the fuck out of my business. Yeah. So, you know, that's just everybody's got an opinion. And, yeah, you know, he is in a segment all of his own. All of his own. There is, like, a very small amount of people that are... Yeah. Where he is because at. Because you can say, uh, you know, you know, Cameron Haynes, yep. right? Yep. You know, Cameron Haynes, I see as, yeah, he's in that best class. But, you know, I follow him and and his his life is a lot more balanced. There's a lot of relationship yes. interaction. Yes. So it, it's, yeah, you know, there there is, you, you can achieve that level of uh, extremism, but. And so, so, right, like Cameron Haynes is probably, I, his book's coming out pretty soon. Um, oh really? Yeah, endure. I think is the name of it. Yeah, he is probably a he's probably a much better example of like balance in that situation, right? Because yeah. like, I it it is really fucking sad to say, but Goggins' abusive father and his sadistic fucking childhood is what made him who he is. Right. It's sad to say. It's it's awful. It's aw- It's an awful point to bring up right it's that like dark genie behind the fucking curtain yeah is like that fucked up childhood that you hear about and like brings me to tears when i hear him talk about it especially in the book like the way he explains it that is what made the man that we know as david Goggins. yes but that mental toughness was forged through that adversity exactly so whereas someone like cameron haynes maybe there's darkness under there that we don't know about maybe that'll be in the book that's what made me think about the book maybe like where he got to that but he's got that similar mental toughness with what seems to be not the same negative stimulus. Yeah. It's, it's less in your face, even though, you know, campaigns as a slogans and everything, but it's, it's not as much in your face and there's a human side to it where sometimes I think Goggins can come across as, you know, this, drill sergeant, you know, and I don't think the adversity for Cameron Haynes was as dark. No, and I don't know his back history. That's what I'm waiting for. Like I'm waiting for the book to come out. I don't know, but like from all of the podcasts that I've that I've heard him talk about, I've never heard of like a darkness that caused his adversity. It seems like his adversity is very much like self-induced, right? Like it's the it's the mountain hunting, it's the running the mountain with the rock, it's the you know the Boston Marathon at a six six and a half minute pace, right? Like he did the hundred milers too, right? Yeah, he's done definitely done some hundred milers. Um, I don't I think his his biggest thing is he said he's always carried way too much bulk for those to be like competitive. Really? Yeah. Don't see bulk in me, man. Well, he does do a lot of lifting other. Yeah. I mean, think about those. Think about the ultra marathoners like they are. They're not their sticks. Yeah. You know, like their body is just is just that's what they're built for. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, digress on that. Gratitude. Uh, um, so, you know, me always got to get into the nerdy science, right? Yep. 
So two psychologists at the University of Miami uh, did most of this research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. One group wrote about things they were grateful for that had occurred during the week. Second group wrote about daily irritations or negative things that displeased them. And the third group, which would be the control, wrote about events that had affected them with no emphasis on it being good or bad. So whenever you do a scientific study, you want to have a control. And this would be like in a situation like this, it's really tough to do emotional studies and have a control. But in this situation, you're still making them write about stuff, but you're not making them write about good things or bad things, just things and not no emphasis on it. Um, after 10 weeks, the people who wrote about things they were grateful for were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more, had fewer visits to physicians than those that were focused on the sources of aggravation. And that comes to this um, happierhuman.com. If you guys want to check this out, I'll try to remember to put this link in the podcast. But it's 31 benefits of gratitude. And this is like all science backed. And it is like less times of going to the doctor, a better attitude, uh, happier by 10%. Um, Dang, less times going to the doctor. Well. It's weird. Like not just less time going to the doctor, but 16%, 16 or 18. God, this small type, 16% fewer physical symptoms, 19% more time exercising, 10% less time feeling physical pain, 8% more sleep, and 25% increase in sleep quality. Happier what? What's the Did I say happier? Oh, oh, happier human. It's in the links. It's the bottom link in the notes I sent you. Um, it, gratitude boosts our career, strengthens our positive emotions, develops our personality. And they have this awesome little infographic that is all of the different basically the the aspects close to our close to our being squared away but they also have a, a, some more things in here but it's the benefits of gratitude and then how they all link to each other and how they link to happiness right so under emotional gratitude has been showed to have more good feeling to make you more resilient less envious happy create happier memories and be more relaxed that's interlinked with social you become more social kinder more friendships deeper relationships healthier marriages that interacts with your career your better manager improve networking more goal achievement improved decision making increased productivity anyways it goes all the way around this and all of these then point back to being happier so it's this it's this amazing like circular link of connection between all of your different levels of gratitude and what they can improve and how it yeah. creates a better life all around. So I see a little underlying theme here, you know, going back to health is, uh, so why, why do you think that, you know, people that practice, uh, you know, having gratitude are people that exercise. Is it, or do they exercise because they practice gratitude? I don't know. Well, if this in this study, it would show that they exercise twenty five percent more because they practice gratitude. It wasn't twenty five percent; it was like fifteen percent or eighteen percent. But anyways, so do they eat better too? Do they? Do they? I don't know. I don't have that. I don't have any scientific backing for that one, oh. or any or any uh, resources You're to not a source. Or? Um, well, I just I, I don't have anything to source for that. But. I would think that you would be more conscious. Fewer visits to the physicians. It's just, it's crazy the amount of stuff reduces materialism. 
right? Because you're grateful for the things that you have. You're not always trying to find something else. Cause I know I've talked about it on here before, but that hedonic treadmill and hedonic yeah. adaptation. So hedonism is basically always searching for elevated brain chemicals, right? It's always searching for epinephrine, neuroepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin. And these things are caused by like purchases, food, sex, um, positive emotional states, right? And so hedonism is always searching for those things and searching for, for the, the next hit of whatever this, this brain chemical is. And the hedonic treadmill is the fact that when we get that brain chemical hit, it's kind of like putting your hand in warm water. When it becomes used to the warm water, that water just feels normal. So you have to go to warmer water, right? So when you, yeah. when you have a certain amount of, of, of sex, or a certain amount of gluttonous food or sweetness. If you guys have ever been on a diet and you then go back to eating some sweet food, holy shit, is it a thousand times sweeter than you ever noticed when you were eating shit food, right? And it's this adaptation. And then the treadmill is, is you become adapted to your current state and you need something new. We've all felt it when you buy a new car. It's this awesome, like, oh man, I got this, this Denali or this Raptor, right? Like in our situation, like I got this, it feels fucking awesome. Like this thing, to just drive around shit right and then you become <laughs> yeah. normal and like now i get in my truck i'm like oh, it's a truck yeah you know and the the that is the hedonic treadmill you become adapted and then you need more you become adapted and you need more and if you're able to cut that off with being grateful right it's still i'm still grateful for what i have you're you're it slows down materialism yeah gratitude increases spiritualism true makes us less self-centered Increases self-esteem. Breeds humility. Nice. Improves your sleep. Not sure. I probably should read more on that one. I don't know what the connection is there. Keeps you away from the doctor. We talked about that. Live longer. That makes perfect sense, right? Because like, if, you're, if you are always searching for something and always needing the next hit of yeah. dopamine... You're always elevated. You're always your, your cortisol is always elevated. Your cortisol is causing negative impact on your body, and your body is always stressed out. You're always restless sleep. Yes, mind's always running. Yes, it's almost like our body like works together, and all these systems are like you rely think? on each other or something. Wow, hard to believe. Weird. Intertwine. Weird. But that goes back to when you're talking about it's not just material things. You know, going back to gluttony. You know that saying. People can get it in their heads that the happiest people don't have the best of everything. It doesn't mean that by best of everything means they always have to buy designer clothes, fancy cars or whatnot. It's it's also, like you said, the, the hedonistic uh, treadmill, right? Yep. But food. Yep. You know, glut, gluttony. You know, got to eat this or got to eat that and it always has to taste good. And that dog shit that's at McDonald's, basically that stuff will start tasting bland. And you got to start, you know, adding what what else? You got to run the Dairy Queen and, you know, tie that tie off the McDonald's with the, you know, the extra large blizzard. Oh, the blizzards. Oh, I shouldn't brought that up because, you know. We're ice cream nuts. Our, we're ice cream nuts. That's on our back end, <laughs> which I've avoided for quite a while here. So good for you. I had, I had Cold Stone yesterday. Oh, you did? Yep. Oh, man, that hurts. <laughs> so the, uh, so. You know, they make the best of everything. So, and I think that maybe is, you know, what we're getting to as far as even answering my question on how does that tie into good health is that a person that's grateful, I've noticed is that, you know what, you, you bought, you bought a Denali, right? Yep. But it's not a brain spanking new Denali. Nope. And the new Denali's, did you see the uh, tailgates now? 
flip down. Yeah, that's like the dumbest looking thing to me. It comes ever. In yeah, office yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever, great. whatever the yeah. commercial's yeah. telling you. Yeah, it's great. So it doesn't give you an inkling to, you know, be like, oh, man. I might I need sh- that. I should really upgrade. I might need that. Because, you know, my Denali's an X, X year or, or my Raptor's a 14. Did you see the new ones that came out? Which I, I don't know. I haven't. No, me neither. They probably still got that shitty V6 in there. Yeah, they definitely do. So, but it, it doesn't, you know, the I have a product, but the product doesn't have me. Yeah. I don't identify the, the product doesn't give me my identity. Yeah. Because if it did, oh, shit, then I got to buy the next thing to be, yep. make sure that I'm on the up and up, keeping up with the Joneses. And, and food's the same way too, you know. It's, I went to breakfast out with my son today and all I could hear you know, at the table next to me is these two families and the two, the parents are like back and forth about these best things. Like, well, and when I was at Westminster and this is, I'm not even lying or exaggerating. I know these conversations. Making this up. The one-uppers. At all. And the one-uppers. Like, yeah. At first, and that's what caught my ears. Like this lady's like, well, when I was at Westminster, I, I ate at this restaurant and we had the, whatever the French Bagwetch uh, told him, like, yeah, so you had a shitty tuna sandwich. Yeah. And you're just milking it up for this other couple. And then the other couple's like, well, when I was in India, oh, I was God. at this restaurant and it was a, a seven course meal and no, blah, blah, blah. And it just went back and forth and yeah. back and forth. And I'm like, you shitheads just need to get out of here. Yeah. You know, go work it off in a gym. Yeah. Go take, you know, make the best of what you have. And I think that's with uh, people that have gratitude. I see it's like, Hey, guess what? This body's uh that's the hand of cards we're dealt with, right? So they're in the gym and they're working out. And this is another story I hit in next week. Or not next week, last week. So uh, I went to the purple place, Planet Fitness. Oh, good for you. And Planet Fitness in Liberal Dane County, you saw all kinds of different people, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like in in the middle of Russia, five thirty. Mm-hmm. Worst time to go. Every machine was taken. But as I'm just observing, right? Because I can't get on two machines, so it's hard to focus. And you had a clown show going on in half the place, and you're just like, yeah, there, there's. You can almost identify certain types of people that are there. You, you can identify the ones that are, the ones that are trying to have the quote, best of everything, right? They're there putting on a show, and worried about what everybody's looking at them. And you look at the results. The results are shit. Either they're extremely overweight, which, hey, guess what? You know, kudos for them to show up at the gym. Yeah, they're good. But they're there. start thinking about what you're doing there and why you're there for. And the other ones that are just trying to impress everybody else by being at the gym, by one, their clothes. And the other, uh, if you ever seen those stretch cages? Yeah, I love I the stretch I cage. I what it's called. I love the stretch cage. But there's a certain brand that makes that yeah, stretch cage you get in. And so I go in that back room where that cage is because yep. you know where that is because yeah. you've been there. Yeah. And I'm My wife doing. Loves Planet Fitness. I can't get her out of there. Yeah, I'm doing uh, tricep push downs because that's about the only cable that's open. And also, I'm looking next. There's this guy that just wants everybody to check him out because look at me. I'm in a gym and I'm not just a guy that can exercise, but I'm a guy that will make up some stupid shit exercises. <laughs> and I'm not even lying or exaggerating. This guy was hanging like a bat upside down from the cage somehow he climbed on there hung his legs over top like a you know a third grader on on a monkey bar and he's hanging down and pretending he's like doing these 
judo stretches. It's like people that like shadow box in the gym. <laughs> like you're trying to impress people, but you're not you're not benefiting yourself at all. Planet Fitness has some of the best videos if you guys get online. They have some of the best, like most outrageous way people use the equipment. It's awesome. I yeah. love it. And 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 there's there's this other guy or you know, whatever gender he wanted to identify as. And you can tell he wasn't there to work out. He was just there to make a statement. Basically there to fill his empty bucket of people to accept him as he or she was. So the guy is probably shooting close to 320 pretty heavy dude right Mm -hmm. pretty broad-shouldered dude but you know basically got the old pink tights on the old pink it looked like he had everything except for that little skirt that the ballerinas wear what is that tutu Mm -hmm. and yeah basically pink tights lululemon or whatever they were and he was spilling all over the place and the old tight female tank top on this male severely overweight body and this guy was on the machine just kind of like watching everybody and making sure everybody's watching him, her, I don't even know her, who the hell yep, she is. Her, we'll be, we'll be cordial about it. And doing upper body and has this pink, uh, what do you call it, the um, the adductor uh, band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To keep your, you know. Yep, yep, keep, keep you your push against together. it, right? Yeah, it's walking yeah. around the gym like that. So it's purely just a statement. Good. And then you have the people that, you know, are making the best of everything. You know, they're showing up. Guess what? They may not have the the Lululemons and the fanciest gym clothes, but but they're showing up and they're they're writing. They got a little notepad and they're you know keeping track of what they're doing or they're following a program and they're pushing it hard, right? And they're not sitting there checking that everybody's looking at them. They're just trying to get in there, get the benefit, take care of themselves, and get out. You know, and I could get really political because I could see the political divide in the group. No, I, I don't think that. I don't think we need to do that. <laughs> no, I think we can keep this apolitical. <laughs> but it just shows me the difference between it's like, you know, the people that make the best out of everything are people that, you know what? Hey, I have this product. Those are the people that take care of their items. They take care of their cars or their cars don't look like, you know, a McDonald's trash bin in, in the interior. And uh, they, they wash their cars and not driving, you know, shit that's they've rear-ended somebody and this bumper's flapping along as they're driving down the road. And and the people that, you know, are constantly looking for something else, it's almost like they, they just treat their everything they own and they treat their body as, as, you know, as shit. They don't take care of their body. They don't watch their diets. They don't take care of any other material items or even do the maintenance they don't even know what the word maintenance is on their vehicles or homes. <laughs> it's just everything's a brake fix. And when it's it's a brake, it's always somebody else's fault. There's no ownership in that kind of lifestyle. Or when somebody's grateful for things, they take ownership. And like, oh crap, you know, I'm happy to have this house. It's not the biggest house in the world, but you know what? I need to do my maintenance to make sure that this house stays in good shape. Not for everybody else to go, ooh, ah, you added this to the house. But no, so that my kids have a place to stay and the rain's not going to come dripping through the rooftops. Yeah. So. So how so. do we, with our last four minutes of this podcast, let's uh, let's brainstorm some ways. How do we how do we improve our gratefulness as far as um, the everyday guy? Right. Or the everyday girl, because that's that's really what we try to do here is is hit applicable 
suggestions with this podcast. And, you know, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to come back to meditation the way that we always have. And I don't mean meditational, you know, Zen, Buddha, monk. I mean meditation like mindfulness meditation, because mindfulness meditation is the number one most important thing to build that that separation between stimulus and response. And then once you have built or as you grow that separation between stimulus and response, you are able to affect that and input that gratefulness into all of those situations. When you fucking are are pissed off because, you, you know, something was out at the grocery store or your kid, right? Like, like your kid comes in and you're trying to do some work and your kid comes in and they're right. And there's that stimulus and your initial reaction is to be like pissed off because you got something you're kind of stressed out about that you want to do. But man, if you can separate that stimulus and that response and put in the gratefulness, like, man, I am grateful that my, I get to see my child every day and I don't only get to see him once every two weeks. I'm grateful that my child is healthy. Right. And then you're able to take a breath you're able to look at them, listen for 30 seconds, give them, you know, a pointer, help them with whatever they need help with, and then get back to what you're doing. And it's that it's that ability to separate that stimulus and response that mindfulness gives you that is so important as far as gratefulness. And then like some sort of gratefulness practice, um, it, it does show to be really healthy. Uh, gratefulness journal, a gratefulness morning text, a reminder during the day on your phone every day, like, hey, what are you grateful for? Right? Yeah. Like, just something. Yeah, I mean, on the Christian side, you know, start your day in prayer. And that's uh, a lot of Christians struggle with that. Um, even any any religion, majority when you ask them, you know, they're not very devout in prayer. Because if you pray, like we talked about the Acts prayer, right? Adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, by the time you get to supplication, your Thanksgiving kind of overrules that. It's like, wow, I don't really need to ask for a lot because I'm thankful for our, there's a ton of stuff to be thankful for. But you got to start that in the morning. It's like uh, Admiral McRaven's talk, right? And making your bed in the morning. Yep. yep. You know, when you start with something productive, it carries out to the rest of your day. So, you know, whether you're meditating or doing that prayer, do it as soon as you wake up in the morning. You know, as soon as you wake up, say, wow, I'm, I'm alive. I'm yeah. healthy. TM, which is is transcendental meditation, would be like a short prayer, short meditation, right? Twice a day, once in the morning and once in early afternoon, because that's kind of your morning for your afternoon. You know, that kind of after lunch lull before you're like going to be not successful. You're going to get shit done for the rest of the day. Words are hard sometimes. Productive. There you go. Um, So, yeah, I think that, you know, that's a big thing. And, And just... Look at somebody, look at somebody that you appreciate and thank them. Thank yeah. them. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you. Yeah. And when you start getting anxious, you know, just uh, start praying and be start being thankful and ask yourself a question is, well, why am I anxious about that? Yeah. Why am I anxious that about, you know, the car that I have? Yeah. Why yeah. am I anxious about the house that I have? Why am I anxious when I go into somebody else's house and start thinking is like, well, why don't I have that? One of the most powerful things from Marcus Aurelius's meditations is the idea that you can only control your mind. You can't control the external things that are going to happen to you. You can only control how you react to them. Yeah. No, there's a saying uh, that Steen put up today, too, which was following right after. It was uh, when you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. Yeah, that's right. That's where your Same exact idea. Yep. All right. That is a wrap of gratefulness. Everybody out there. I'm grateful as shit for you for listening. Thank you. 
Hope you have an awesome day. Peace out.